This reminds me of my first experience in radio was back in the early 80s. People with disability and mental health. There's always controversy with us. The mysteries of the mind and consciousness. And we might get to the bottom of something or we might start something new. We're going to run the gamut and we're going to have a good time. Waking Braves. No, not Waking Braves. We're Breaking Waves. Breaking Waves? Breaking Waves. Breaking, breaking waves. waves. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Happy, happy, joy, joy, happy, happy, joy, joy, happy, happy, joy, joy, happy, happy, joy, joy, joy. I don't think you're happy enough. Hi, folks. We're back. You're listening to Breaking Waves, and that was a clip from Ren and Stimpy. My favourite cartoon characters, Stimpy in particular, because Stimpson is a big cat who's just about always happy no matter what happens mm. kind of a uh, similar personality archetype to spongebob in that case uh-huh which i think you'd enjoy it comes a little bit uh, later in uh, the end of the 90s and also a yeah nickelodeon series but today on the program we are going to be bringing you a show which is the flip side to last week's pain episode it's going to be about pleasure pleasure and what's your pleasure at your leisure. And leisure can be pleasure. A pleasure cruise, a leisure cruise. As can lots of things. Uh, eating food, smelling flowers. Well, that's the thing. Like These are the kind of things that come to mind with pleasure. Things that cause a positive release in your, in your mind, perhaps. Yeah, things that make us feel good. And normally, quickly. That's kind of the association that I have. I mean, there's definitely like the delayed gratification, but... The pleasure is like the the positive effect, you know, of, of something that you're engaging with, right? Yeah. It's less a state of mind and more a reaction to experience, uh, stimulus perhaps. Yeah, and one of the things that I think we'll discuss on the program is the idea that pleasure and the pursuit thereof is not always... A positive thing for people it can have negative effects yeah we touched on that last week when we talked about uh, the fact that uh, some people's pain is another person's pleasure and quite often the two can become sort of mixed up together that's right people can become addicted to situations that are very harmful for them because there's a component of what they're doing that is quite pleasurable and they're chasing that feeling even in spite of the fact that there's other aspects to it that is, like, interrupting their quality of life. Yeah, and there's all kinds of examples of that in the society that we live in and the kind of things that we do on a day-to-day basis. Exactly. Just, like, what comes to mind just with this conversation is the sort of normalised epidemic of screen addiction. And you pointed out to me, John, quite rightly, that phone addiction is something that pretty much like everyone who has a smartphone has who uses it a lot because if you like lose your phone or it breaks or something you start to go through withdrawals and you start hankering I must find my phone and so these patterns of behavior are repeated because we're trying to replicate that pleasure a friend of mine pointed out to me when she was observing her behavior just casual behaviors she noticed that she would just pick up her phone, open it up, and then close it, just like 
without thinking like a sort of programmed uh, habit kind of thing. So. Yeah, people get quite distressed when they can't plug into that telephone on a regular basis. That screen fantasy world. And when you think about something like social media, Instagram, Facebook, people have this curated algorithm that's filled of topics and pages that they're interested in. And I think it gets into that territory of being a pleasure overload because you're bombarding yourself every day with so much content of stuff that you enjoy that it starts to saturate your world in a sense, like blows out those pleasure receptors perhaps. Yeah, pleasure receptors. Um, This is a a concept that you will come across if you look at uh, perhaps scientific or medical explanations for our different emotional states. And we have in our narrative on these brain chemicals, we're all given um, a few chemicals that are produced in our body that are part of the mechanism of emotion and response to stimulus. There's uh, dopamine, um, serotonin, uh, oxytocin, and adrenaline and noradrenaline. And these are the the chemicals that are often talked about in relation to um, not only addictions, but all kinds of reactions. So what can happen when someone overindulges in pleasure? What are some of the negative effects of that do you think john well from a scientific Mm. perspective i guess the idea is that um when you do something that uh, makes you feel good you're actually body is creating um or modulating the mixture of hormones um, and neurotransmitters in your body and endorphins is something that's often talked about in relation to stress Mm. but it's uh, quite often associated with good feelings and endorphins apparently the natural form of opiates which we have discovered grow in plants and when you consume these plants they have very powerful effects on your state of mind on your sense of well-being Um, and this is one of the mechanisms that um, painkillers exploit right um, right and the idea is that uh, once your body gets used to this stimulus and it doesn't take very long when you when you break the habit mm. or the stimulus stops um, you go into a kind of withdrawal which can become quite unpleasant which then leads you to pursue once mm. again and i guess this is uh, one idea of what addictions are all about I mean, if you like put me in a situation where I had no phone, no books to read, like nothing to, to sort of just take my mind off my thoughts, that would be very discomforting for me. I mean, it depends on the mood that I'm in. Sometimes that's what I feel like I want, but a lot of the time I'm just looking for distraction. And I guess that's why people have those meditation like retreats where they just go and don't talk to anyone and they just sit in a room for a few days and have soup because it's kind of about unplugging, sort of untangling yourself from these pleasure-seeking support Yeah, that's like a a therapeutic kind of solitary confinement or isolation, Mm. um, which can be quite unpleasant. And perhaps why solitary confinement is a, 
quite a, a brutal form of uh, punishment, which uh, can drive people quite crazy. And at the same time, I find that uh, solitude is something that I need uh, at times as well. It's something that I'll be very grateful for. And that can, because just having, uh, it's about, I guess it's all about balance and everything because we are social creatures and different people have more of a battery. And that gets into this idea of like, um, you know, what's an introvert, what's an extrovert and everything. But um, for, you know, some people it's super pleasurable to be going to parties and for someone who's more socially anxious, they'll be feeling so much relief when they get out of there and get to just go back home. And Yeah, people have a very different relationship with solitude. And um, for me, I've always enjoyed um, solitude and time with myself and was always quite good at entertaining myself. And in fact, I'm the kind of person that um, is quite stressed at parties mm. <laughs> and large social um, events with lots of people. I find that quite difficult. And I know that's not the case with everybody. I think the way that I respond to those kind of situations is that, like, I don't like that environment unless I'm the center of attention. Uh-huh. And then I like it. So if I can be, like, holding court and telling jokes or doing funny things, then then I enjoy that sort of big group but then if I'm not if I'm just kind of trying to have like an individual conversation while there's all these other stimulation and conversations going on around me I get quite like overwhelmed and then I'll just start saying stuff that's kind of just alienating and weird to try to draw attention to myself to kind of create a distance between myself and the situation and sort of that that class clown uh, habit I think yeah the performance Mm. aspect and I I think maybe um, I had a, a childhood trauma when I was a little kid and I performed at uh, a school concert and forgot the, the words to the song I was singing and it had quite a devastating effect on me. Up until that point, I was um, I used to go in talent quests and, and sing on my own um, and was very involved in um, music uh, with other people. This is like when I was in primary school. Mm. And then I got to high school and I had this... Um, experience which was incredibly traumatic for me and um, it wasn't addressed. Um, I never, I didn't uh, talk to anybody about it. In fact, nobody ever mentioned it (laughs) to me. Um, And even though I went on to actually work as a a musician and Mm. play in bands and do a lot of performance, um, being the center of of attention, I think that changed in my relationship with the whole performance aspect. And I played the guitar, which was great because I, I didn't have to actually say anything, but uh, I made a lot of noise and I was the mm. centre of attention. So one person's pleasure is someone else's displeasure. And this comes to mind just in the, obviously there's a wide variety of different tastes and preferences in this world one of the things that comes to mind in my life is um, my aunt, who I often uh, will stay with, is she's very intolerant of um, things that, say, like TV shows or movies that she doesn't enjoy, 
that like my grandpa or myself would like to watch. And there's some overlap in my taste with hers, but there's a lot of stuff that I'm into. Like she doesn't like horror films or like violent, disturbing movies or anything. And, and she can't understand why other people like it. So it really, it really bothers her um, that, that we watch it. And um, that's something that, you know, I think we people have this idea of uh, objectivity, and you hear this a lot within like art criticism and things like, no, no, this movie is objectively superior, and these kind of things. But like, of course, you know, reality is subjective, and we all have uh, everyone's got their individual pleasure in in this world, and so, and that all comes from like who we are and what we've experienced, and of course, that can change over time. Uh, people's what people find pleasurable uh, evolves with over the course of their life I think yeah it's like taste there's no accounting for it and it it is um, amazing sometimes the activities that some people do and they seem to derive pleasure mm. from yeah. yeah that's right um, a friend of mine he was um, filming some people just like doing these silly silly seeming sort of motions they're on a beach with a personal trainer and they were just punching the air at 5 a.m in the morning and the stuff that they were doing the physical activities that they were doing seemed quite sort of banal and he was saying who would get up at 5 a.m to do this and why are they paying someone to do it (laughs) yeah well that reminds me um, I've had various phases of getting really a huge amount of enjoyment out of doing certain activities. Mm. And uh, fishing was one. I used to get up in the morning in, in my 30s. And I, I lived in, on the, in the eastern suburbs and I used to go to all of the, the cliffs and rock tops um, and beaches around the eastern suburbs, around um, the Gap and Watson's Bay mm. and all the way down to the harbour and in the driving rain, um, freezing cold in the middle of the winter, you know, I'd carry my block of frozen pilchards and with my raincoat on and go down and stand on the, these rocks in miserable, <laughs> miserable conditions. And I got incredible um, enjoyment and I was propelled out of bed. You know, and I'm not an early riser, but, you know, when I was pursuing this feel-good, I would... Uh, I would jump out of bed and, and, and hardly wait to get out there in uh, the miserable mm. <laughs> rain and freezing cold so that I could go fishing. You know, I'm, I'm not an early riser either, but um, some of the times when I do get up early, it's, it feels really good. There's something really nice about being awake for the sunrise. It's just a different kind of time. And you do feel like you, well, I feel like I have more time in a day to to do things that's the thing that strikes me about getting up early like i'll think oh it must be later and then i'll look and it's like oh it's still only morning and i can do this and this and this and so yeah i guess and there's there are pleasures that you derive from outside of yourself um like enjoying a, a sunrise or doing an activity and then there's other kind of pleasures that sort of come with within from within you know, like um, just uh, using your imagination, yes, creating a storyline inside your head, mm. um, losing yourself in your thoughts, in your memories, yes, um, reliving past experiences. 
And the you're really the way that you're thinking, or like the way that one thinks, has such a big impact on how you feel. I mean, it's a chicken or an egg kind of thing, because obviously, if you're not feeling well, it's harder to conjure up positive. It's more of an effort to conjure up a positive mindset. But so often, uh, thoughts and patterns of thinking will put you uh, in a certain mood. Yeah, I think it's easy to fall into a trap of always looking for something to uh, change the way you feel, to get you to a better place. Instead of looking within, or just accepting that you're not always going to feel so so much pleasure all the time. Yeah, in a lot of ways, life is an emotional journey, and sometimes you've just got to weather the storm. You know, feelings pass, and they're not always facts. They're just uh, like the weather, they come and go. Sometimes they have meaning. Sometimes this meaning's hard to find. Amen, brother. You've got a song for us, I believe. Indeed. This is a, a chap named... What is his name? Ma- Malik Harris. And uh, this is a, a wonderful bit of uh, performance art. Enjoy. Feeling a little bit rooted You revived me from your lawn Let you go 
Cause you're grieving me and you leave me there But something in your eyes makes me wanna hold on It's like I'm seeking the treat and the needle Production is something that I have in the past and still do derive a great amount of pleasure from. Um, and Malik was using a looper there. He did that entire performance with a guitar. He started off tapping on the guitar to get progressive sounds, just like uh, Michael Jackson did in a lot of his recordings, and then added um, breathy sounds and um, the guitar chords and turned it into a, a whole piece and um, I love it. <laughs> now this artist, Malik Harris, he's a man of German origin and he was in the Eurovision Song Contest last year which is fun. I like it when uh, you can discover you know, someone good through... Uh, one of those singing shows because obviously there's a lot out there that's middle of the road but there's some real gems some really great artists to to be found yeah the kind of things that we derive pleasure from seem to change throughout our lives that's right and i can think of a couple of examples of things that i enjoyed as a kid that i don't anymore <laughs> and well one of them i wouldn't say that i strictly don't enjoy it but one of them is watching cartoons because I used to watch so many mostly animated stuff as a kid and I find that as an adult it's harder for me to get into animation and I know it shouldn't be that way because I know that animation isn't just for children it's simply another medium 
in which to tell stories, but I have a bit of a barrier where I'll be like, I want something with with human faces, you know, with with actors and uh, a set that's like not drawn, but is physically there in a sense. Are you right, John? You look like you're having a something. a seizure. No, that's <laughs> just my face. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Well, I guess sometimes circum- circumstances change, don't they, throughout a lifetime? Yeah. And for myself. When I was in my teens, I was completely obsessed with racing motorbikes, uh, motocross bikes. And I lived out in the country and I loved it. It's like all I thought about uh, for many years. But that was only actually a very short period of time. And I could see that I could easily become um, a motorbike mechanic or someone who lived their whole Mm. life with motorcycles. But they were taken out of my life. I went to boarding school and I never raced motocross bikes again. Um, Yeah, well... Once again, of like circumstances, there's also like changes that happen within you and for reasons that all sorts of reasons. But one another thing I can think of is when I was a kid, I used to love looking out car windows and just looking at everything passing by. But as uh, in my teens, I developed a quite a intense sensitivity to light. And so I found it quite discomforting to be looking at out the window because of the sun reflecting off buildings and cars and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. daydreaming. I used to get a uh, ruler on the knuckles for doing that in school. I was kind of discouraged from daydreaming in certain contexts. But um, I, uh, something I do now, and I do an enormous amount now, um, that I didn't really do when I was younger is read. Oh, and yeah. I get such pleasure out of reading. And that's a pretty internalized sort of thing, even though the, the storyline is coming from out of a book. It's all kind of going on uh, inside yourself. That's right. It's a much more, it's a much less passive act than watching a movie because you're creating the imagery within your mind. So, and that's, so you didn't start reading until you're in your 30s, right? With Stephen King? Yeah, it's funny. I was almost illiterate till. Until I got to high school and uh, reading was not something I um, I did that much. But um, yeah, I mainly read um, non-fiction, so technical stuff because I'm an engineer and that's something else I've done my whole life is uh, the existential pleasures of engineering. Um, it brought me great pleasure and enjoyment. But getting into fiction, because uh, that's like quite a different thing and one of the things that you and I bonded over was Stephen King, but then just in the last, like, I guess like six to ten months or so, you've gotten into crime fiction, John, which is something that you hadn't read before. Been reading a lot of crime fiction. Mm. No, I didn't mind the odd uh, story, uh, perhaps movie, or mm. uh, but didn't re- hadn't read any real crime books, mm. and I discovered uh, you James were more of a Burke s- yeah. and he's a wonderful storyteller, and he's, uh, he's a crime writer. You were more of a sci-fi guy before that. Actually, yes, William Gibson. Um, William Gibson, probably about the same time as I discovered Stephen King, is probably in my um, late twenties, early thirties. And um, William Gibson is a um, iconic of uh, cyberpunk, the father of the creator of the concept uh, and the actual term cyberpunk. Yeah. Before it even existed, before what is the, cyberpunk? Uh, we should define it's that. the internet, basically mm. the connection of computers. It's that world that we've created. This space, that's another space. Um, so, 
these are examples of, you know, things that we derive pleasure from. And a lot of the time in life, you're not going to expect, you're not going to anticipate some kind of new experience or new pastime or activity that is going to give you pleasure. Like, uh, for example, something that I tried within the last couple of years was indoor rock climbing. And that was something that I found uh, was of a great physical benefit to me and it, because my body was feeling good and it gave a temporary alleviation to um, chronic pain issues that I have. Uh, of course, that was like very pleasurable, a good, honest kind of pleasure um, because, you know, it came from uh, from hard work or from a different kind of movement, pu- pushing yourself uh, physically yeah, and as we've mentioned before, the greatest re- remedy for misery um, and perhaps pain is uh, good humour. That's right. I think um, it's an essential part of well-being is this idea of a happy uh, mindset, a happy state of mind, um, to pursue happiness, uh, beauty, uh, truth, in one's life, these are spiritual principles that we can all live by and enrich our human experience. Well, let's uh, let's dial back the clock to the late 1700s with Thomas Jefferson, the Declaration of Independence. And in that declaration, famously, was the basic human right to pursue happiness and. I think it's noteworthy that it doesn't say the right to pursue pleasure. Because we don't want to live life like a Roman orgy. Yeah, look what happened to the Romans, as my dad pointed out to me when I was a little kid. In fact, uh, one of the only uh, serious discussions I remember having with my dad was when he asked me what I wanted to do in my life. And I said to be happy. Mm. And he proceeded to tell me that uh, the pleasure principle was a minefield. <laughs> and there's some food for thought, folks, but we've reached the end of the show. So we will be back next week. And until then, we hope you have a great time. We'll see you next week. No, we won't see you. <laughs> You're listening to People Powered Radio, proudly supported by the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The Community Broadcasting Foundation resources community-owned and operated media stations just like this one that connect people and tell vital local stories so that we all enjoy a more vibrant, inclusive Australian culture and healthy democracy. Find out more about our work at cbf.com.au.